we are in a series right now called The Art of Love, all right? So uh, how many have your notes? Anybody have your notes? And you got a pen or a pencil there? Go ahead and draw what you believe love looks like. Go ahead. Go ahead and start drawing. All right, go ahead. Get your ink pen out and start drawing. See, the only thing that some of you can draw on is the back of an offering envelope. All right, I know that. But if that's what you have to use. But just draw a little picture of what love looks like. All right? What does love look like? How many drew a heart? Anybody draw a heart? So some of you draw a heart? Because, I mean, I mean, you don't have to be an artist to draw a heart. But, uh, uh, but it's pretty and you can color it. All right? How many drew a heart and put holes in it or something? All right? Because after all, if, you know, if you've got, you got that Cupid mentality, they shoot arrows through people's hearts. That's frightening. Uh, so uh, some of you drew smiley faces. Did you do that? Uh, who drew a smiley face right there? Man, I am prophetic today. All right. Uh, maybe you drew a tree. I don't know. You drew a tree. Really, you draw... The easiest things you possibly can in a moment like this. Some of you might still be drawing and draw all the way through the service. Uh, I got an amen over here. Yeah, okay. Uh, for you artists, I'd like to know what love looks like. And, and I, I want to help you in comprehending love because immediately when I told you to draw something, your mind just went different directions. What does love look like? And so I'll ask you uh, if somebody were to draw a picture of your love life, what would it look for, like? A shootout? Uh, a, you know, a boxing match? Would it be an embrace? Uh, you know, what would it look like? So in this teaching today... Uh, I want to talk to you about love that's not broken, indestructible love, indestructible love. When you like to have love in your life that nobody can mess with. Anybody want that kind of love? Love in your home, love, love between you and God, love with you and your brothers and sisters here at the church, love. Uh, I, I have heard stories about uh, communities of faith so beaten up and angry and I mean years ago I was a part of a community before I moved here that means it was a long time ago that uh, I went to the church and they were mad when I left they were mad it's like they didn't like each other they didn't want to they, they, they split and I mean it was just sad anybody know that's sad I mean you know that's not God's plan anybody know that's that's not what I read the, the Word of God says in 1 Corinthians 13 and 8, these three scriptures, anybody like this? Love never fails. Somebody shout it. Love never fails. So if you circle that, love never fails, and you compare that to your experience with love, how many would say we need to find another definition of love? Because there are a lot of us in this room that have experienced love that was broken, love that caused pain, love that did not fulfill. So, uh, in fact, 1 Corinthians 13 and 3 actually reads this way. Uh, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Now, looking at that scripture, how many believe you got to have faith? Anybody believe that? How many believe you have to have hope? Okay? But what... If somebody is speaking hope to you, but they don't love you. What if somebody, you say, well, somebody's going to pray a prayer of faith for me, but they don't care about my life. It's like your faith and your hope, your message, your ministry, if it's not filled with love, I really don't have time for it because it disempowers the hope. It disempowers the faith. I've spent a lifetime, I feel like, talking to people about love. I, I have spoken more about love and relationships. I'm not talking about in church, which is part of, of what this is about, uh, but I have spent a load of time in my office, on the phone, in my house, uh, at a restaurant somewhere, working with individuals. I do not regret it because people need the information desperately. 
but in talking about love, talking about husbands and wives and children and parents, children of parents, married, unmarried. And during this time, so you know, out of working, out of serving, I have learned a great deal of things. I figured out, how many would like to make a million dollars? Anybody? Here's, here's what I've heard. That if you can find a way to give people something that they desperately need, and you can find a swift way of getting that to them for a particular amount of money, you can make millions. I should be a millionaire by now. Because I know what you need. The problem is I give it away. So uh, if I could fix all the families, I could save you hundreds of thousands of dollars in alimony and child support and divorce lawyers and child and family therapy. I could. But you're going to have to, you're going to have to let some things be broken in your life. Some things change in your life. You're going to have to overcome your belief systems. Okay. Have you ever come up against a brick wall? Anybody ever done that? It's like, here's the truth. I know, but wave at me if that makes sense. So I, I want to show you indestructible love and I've got it today and we're going to give it away. It's all free. Somebody praise God. I also want to go back to 1 Corinthians 13. I want you to read through it and let the Holy Spirit speak to you slowly. Read through it. How many have read 1 Corinthians 13 before? Anybody read it? So here we go. I may speak in different languages, whether human or even of angels, but if I don't have love, I am only a noisy bell or a ringing cymbal. I may have the gift of prophecy. I may understand all secrets and know everything there is to know. And I might have faith so great that I can move mountains. But even with all of this, if I don't have love, I am nothing. I may give away everything I have to help others. And I may even give my body as an offering to be burned. But I gain nothing by doing all of this if I don't have love. Verse 4. Love is patient, love is, not, love, is, love is patient and kind, love is not jealous, it does not brag, it is not proud, love is not rude, it is not selfish, and it cannot be made angry easily. I'm going to just read that. It cannot be made angry easily. Man, I got a short temper, Pastor. You got a love issue. Love does not remember wrongs done against it. Well, I remember. Love is never happy when others do wrong. But it is always happy with the truth. Love never gives up on people. Let's read that together. Love never gives up on people. It never stops trusting, never loses hope, and never quits. Well, it was, it was easy to read it when you read it really fast, isn't it? You slow that thing down, take a look at it, you feel every beat, right? Verse 8, love will never end, but all those gifts will come to an end. Even the gift of prophecy, the gift of speaking in different kinds of languages, and the gift of knowledge. These will all end because this knowledge and these prophecies we have are not complete. But when perfection comes, the things that are not complete will end. I'm going to one day, Holy Spirit. Anybody looking forward to going away? All right, anybody believe that? How many know that when we are all in the presence of God eternally, we won't need prophecy anymore? Right? You know what they do not do in heaven? Nobody preaches. Better enjoy it while you can. But love will never end. Eternity is about the completion of that. Verse 11. Then he says this. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child, and I made plans like a child. When I became a man, I stopped those childish ways. This is Paul writing, okay? Anybody ever act childish anymore? It is the same with us. Now we see God as if we're looking at a reflection in a mirror 
But then in the future, we will see him right before our eyes. Now I know only a part, but at that time I will know fully as God has known me. So all of this statement is about love. So these three things continue, faith, hope, and love. We need all of them, but the greatest of these is love. I, was, uh, I told you the other day that I was watching a movie, that, and it just showed up, and it was such a blessing. How many have watched Rudy before? Okay. One of the most famous scenes of Rudy, all right, he's talking to a priest, and the priest gives him some advice. That's good. Okay, that's my least favorite scene in all of Rudy. Come on, this guy's been studying God's word for 35 years. And all he's got is there is a God and I am not him. 35 years. Probably got his PhD and a bunch of other degrees and got himself a good community and he's serving the church, but... In 35, come on, somebody ain't hearing what I'm saying. What kind of a weak leader is this guy? All of your studies, and you got two facts. Come on, bud, wake up. The Word of God is 66 books full of truth, power. There are facts. There are in God's word incontrovertible facts over and over and over. Come on, someone. In 1 Corinthians 13, there's some facts about faith and hope. And the greatest of these is love. And the statement is drawn from the inspired words of Paul that we read in the beginning of this love chapter. Our focus that's been on the family, if you don't stop arguing about the truth about love and you continue to hold on to your lies and your belief systems that are destructive, then you're going to perpetuate this brokenness generation after generation after generation. All right. Spoken a great deal about marriage. How many have ever been connected with the marriage? Well, sure, you've got friends, don't you, that are married? I, and, but sometimes when I preach about, talk about marriage, people say, well, you know, Pastor, I'm not married, and I don't ever want to get married because I had a marriage, and it was really... So uh, I want to enlarge this, but I also want to let you know that just because you experienced the mess, how many know God wants to renew people? God's not finished with you yet. Uh, the, the greatest problem... I have experienced with families, with children and homes, is it's just fundamental. It's a misappropriation and even more a misunderstanding of love. So our purpose today is to focus on love and to teach you that there is a love that will not fail. Now, I'm not talking about what you call love. I'm saying the love of God, the love that God will place in you. I'm not talking about emotion. I, I'm, I am talking... Uh, about God's word. I'm not even talking about intellect, and I'm definitely not talking about lust. The problem is we've misinterpreted the word love, and until we receive the love of God, our homes, our marriages, our children, their future is in jeopardy. The next generation is in jeopardy. Uh, It's a mess. So we especially struggle with the definition of love because of our English language. The English language has one word for love, right? And it is love. The Greek language has all kinds of words for love. Uh, Let me just give you a few of those words. Uh, One is storhe, which is the love of family. How many love your kids? All right. So there is a particular kind of love. How many love your kids, but you don't love your kids like you love hot dogs? (laughs) But how many love hot dogs? Steak. Come on. How many love 
Tex-Mex. Anybody love Tex-Mex besides me? Pasta. All right, making you hungry right now. So it's different. This is a healthy love, and it's, it's normal. If you have a kid, no matter what the circumstances, it is normal for you to love that child. And if you see somebody that is mistreating a child, what do you say? Are you, are you nuts? Right? What's wrong with you? What's going on with your life? And then phileo, which is friendship. How many have some friends? This, a, a strong liking, uh, a bond of friendship. It, it, the, the word phileo implies a strong emotional connect, and, and thus it's used of love or deep friendship. And then there's the word eros. How many have heard this word before? It's the Greek word for sexual desire where we derive English words such as erotic. When eros was used as a proper noun in Greek, it also referred to the Greek god of love. So uh, how many believe that eros is bad? Good. All right. Because it's not bad in the proper context. Somebody shout amen. All right. Alone, it can be chaotic and confusing and messy. Let me, let me just bust on that last one for a moment because one of the problems we have such struggle in relationships is eros is usually in our culture the only thing that is spoken of when we say love. How many love pop music? Wave at me. Because most of the definition of love in pop music is, I'm in love with the shape of your body. I'm in love with your body. I'm in love with your body. That's weird, isn't it? But you play it on your radio all day. And I'm standing here in the pulpit, and now you're all embarrassed. But you already... All right, some of, some of my folks don't know what I'm talking about right now. That, that, that song, and I think Ed Sheeran is one of the, uh, he's an amazing vocalist, amazing. That was, in 2017, that was the that Shape of You, that song, won the Grammy Award for Best Pop Performance. All right? I was in California last year, and I heard Malachi start singing, I'm in love with this, and I just, no, I didn't, I didn't. <laughs> All right, let's, let's straighten up. Let's fix love, okay? How many know about agape? Anybody know agape? It's the Greek word that refers to the love of God. This is the very nature of God because God is love. It is the unconditional love that is apparent in the renewed mind. How many have ever had your mind changed by the Holy Spirit? It, agape is love that is apparent because of the action that it prompts. If agape is there, sacrifice will show up. So if you want great friendship, it's good to love one another as friends. But what agape does is it gets into your family. It gets into your relationship with your children. It gets into your marriage. It gets into everything. And I mentioned eros for a moment. Just so you know, I know that the word eros has to do with physical intimacy. But you've got to understand agape needs to be there as well. Because some of you are in a mess right now because you thought agape is over here and eros is over here. And you shut the door and said, Holy Spirit, you can't come in here. Come on, wave at me if you know what I'm talking about. All right. We're doing a lot of waving today. Agape is, su is supernatural love that is evidenced by sacrificial action. First John 4, 7 Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is In this, the love of God was manifested. So agape is manifested. What does agape look like in manifestation? It was manifested toward us that God sent his only Son, his only begotten Son of the world, that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. 
If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. How many know there's so much meat right there? Anybody get this? So did anybody take note that hmm, this, this, this is going to be strange for some of you. You got any really emotional people in the room? Where's my emotional people? There we are. Look at these emotional folk, okay? So Christ so loved that he gave his life. It wasn't that he wanted to die, but he loved so much and it was required. Got any mamas in the room that have ever had a sick baby? And you stayed up all night watching your child. You loved that child, so it was the natural thing to do. Does that make sense? But it's not like you were saying, what I really want to do is sit up all night. But love moved you to do that. Okay. Somebody, how many get emotional? Anybody get emotional? How many ever feel something? I just, just look at somebody and say, I love you. What does that mean? What does that mean? Now, I know what it meant for some of you at one time. Somebody told you they loved you and they didn't love you. They erosed you. Because people throw love around. Come on, I need some young people to hear what I'm saying right now. Anytime, listen, I remember specifically, and I always, I was picking on my daughter, but when Lauren wanted to date Felicia, he came and asked me if he could date her. And I said, you, I'm going to let you date her, but don't tell her you love her until you ask me, and I know that you know what you're talking about. And he honored that. He honored that. There are other things I told him not to do as well. And he honored that. Now, I want you, I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this. We don't know what we're saying, even as husbands and wives, when we say, I love you. We think it is, you feel strongly towards me. Agape doesn't always have any emotion attached to it. Agape is, I choose to do whatever is necessary to redeem you. I choose to take care of you no matter what's going on in your life. Agape says, you don't have to do anything for me. I'm willing to serve you. I don't even have to feel good about it. I love you. I agape you. And I'm ready to care for you. I've just fixed a lot of marriages just now. You say, well, you know, I'm just not in love with you anymore. That means you never really had a proper context of love in the first place. I'm just, I just don't feel it. So basically, this is all about emotion and attraction. Some of you should never say when you get married, till death do us part, for now and for always. You should go ahead and say, as long as I feel attracted, as long as you're pretty. Agape love is not simply an impulse generated from emotions, but it is an impulse generated by the Holy Spirit. Agape love is an exercise of the regenerated heart, and it is a deliberate spiritual choice to obey God and not man. I'm, anybody with me on this? Some of you say, oh, Pastor, you're getting all legal. No, I'm going to obey God no matter what you do. I'm going to love you. I'm going to cover you. I'm going to care for you. I'm not just talking to married folks right now. I'm going to love my brother. I'm going to love my sister. We're going to take care of one another because we love each other as God loves us. Now, okay, let me, let me just go here. Can I go here? All right. I love God. I love this church. I don't ever give, but I really love Did I go there? I don't ever give. I don't ever tithe. I don't ever give a nickel. But I love everyone. Now, once you really get agape, you won't be able to help but to give. Because agape is sacrificial giving. 
It's always sacrificial giving. Always. I remember, how many remember years ago when my wife hurt her back? Anybody remember that? She hurt her back. I love Diane. She's not even in the room I'm talking about her. I love her so much. She, got, when her, she hurt her back. She was, out, she was outside <laughs> mowing the grass. And uh, <laughs> she got stuck. All right? She likes to mow the grass. It's one of her things. All right? She likes to. I mow the grass a lot. All right? Stop looking at me like that. All right? And I was just, my, she was hurt. And uh, I started doing laundry. Look at me. You know why? Because the laundry really needed to be done. No. I, you know, she always took care of that. We do different stuff. I mean, she does most everything, but we do different things. And... But then when it was time to go to bed, she couldn't walk up the stairs. And strapping young Pastor Rick picked up his little wife, and I would carry her up the stairs. Because I knew she couldn't move her leg because her back was so messed up. Now, she does really well now. Somebody praise God for that. But I just want you to know, sometimes you do things you would not normally do. I asked the other day, baby, you want me to carry you up the stairs? <laughs> no. And I was glad she said that because I didn't want to. I'm, I've lost this whole sermon now. Listen, somebody shout sacrifice. sacrifice. Look around the room. These are people you're going to sacrifice for. You're going to help. I've talked with so many people this week that were in need. You know why we talk? Not so I can make them feel better because they're wondering, is there any way we can help one another? Can we feed one another? Can we take care of each other? Can we pray with one another? Can, can, you, you understand? It's sacrifice. Agape is not emotionally generated. Because if all, listen, how many know your heart can be deceptive? And you can feel like doing things that you should not do. Agape is a choice to obey God and not man. Oh, there's so much I need to say here, but this is why God commanded us to love our enemies. He has not commanded us to have a good feeling for our enemies, but to act loving towards them even if we don't feel loving towards them. Agape love is related to obedience and commitment and not necessarily feeling and emotion. Loving someone is to obey God's, uh, is to obey God on one's behalf, seeking his or her long-term benefit and profit. This is this, the, the way to know that we have agape love is that we keep his commandment. Jesus said, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. How many have ever known God's commands and not necessarily wanted to do it? but did it anyway. Somebody shout agape. In Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is not eros. The fruit of the Spirit is agape. And it's, it's important to understand that you can agape your enemies, but you will, you will not phileo them. You will not say, oh, that's my friend. No. The difference between agape and phileo becomes very clear. And, and, and how many have ever read John chapter 21 where Jesus is talking to Peter after Peter denied him three times. Have I got any theatrical guys in the room? Some guys that, can, that are really theatrical. I need two men that are theatrical and can read. Come on, come on, brother. I got it, brother. Here, I got it, brother. Okay. All right. Stand up front, brother. Okay, stand up front. Okay. I, uh, I've taught you about reflective communication, Right? Reflective communication. In other words, that means I'm, I'm going to listen to what you have to say and respond to that. Now, in John, uh, Peter and John get together, and Jesus is on the seashore, and he's cooked up some fish. Peter has denied Christ three times, cursing and saying, I don't know that man, and running away at uh, the trial of the Lord Jesus. He wasn't there on the crucifixion. They followed from a distance, okay? I agape you, but I'm hiding. All right? So now Jesus is going to challenge Peter, and he keeps asking him to feed his sheep, but there's this statement that keeps being made. Anybody remember this? Three times Jesus says, do you love me? But it's not agape every time. And Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you, but it's not him saying, I agape you. He uses different Greek words every time. So, uh, who wants to be Jesus? 
You get to be Jesus. All right, you get to be Peter, okay? Take your time, look through it. Are you ready? I mean, I believe these guys can act. I mean, this is like, this is like, yeah, theater. Theater, give it some of this, guys. No, you don't have to, all right? All right, I, wait, I need a microphone. There's uh, a microphone right there. Give me, a, give me that microphone. There we go. I, I'm not prepared. It's in that drawer right there, in the drawer. There we go. There we go. Thank you for that. All right, here we go. Here's a mic for you. All right, this mic's on. Oh, hold on, hold on. I got to get another mic. I am the sound man today. All right. All right, here's another mic. Oh, man, it's not on at all. He's a man of All right, here we go. Mic's on. Let's see. It's almost, it's on. There you go. All right, you ready? Yeah. Read, and don't, don't be too fast on it, but ready, go. John? Simon. There you go. <laughs> Simon, do you love me more than those fish? Say, say that again. Simon, do you love me more than those fish? Yes, Lord. You know that I'm very fond of you. Simon, do you love me? Will you serve me when, when you don't feel like it? Of course, Jesus. You know I'm your BFF. We're friends. Jesus, I got your back. Simon, I hear you say you love me, but what you're saying is that you are not ready to sacrifice yourself for me. You, you wouldn't die for me, but you still want to be friends, right? Lord, you know me inside and out. I can't hide anything from you. I'm struggling with this new reality of love, but I really want to love you like you love me, but I'm afraid of what's, what, it, what it is really going to cost me. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Thanks, guys. You can take those with you. Anybody ever had a conversation with Jesus like that before? It's like, Jesus, I really want to be your BFF, but if you're asking me honestly, when I was there at the cross, I realized that if I was going to follow you, it could cost me everything, and I left. And I want you to know I really want to be your friend. I really want to sing along on Sunday morning, and I, I lost everybody. All right, so what Jesus is saying, do you agape me? Do you agape me? Are you ready to love me? Are you ready to sacrifice? Are you ready? He keeps saying, and I want you to feed my sheep. Well, Lord, we're friends, and I'll, but I'm really afraid of what it might cost me. Okay, look at me. I'm your pastor. I'm your friend. We get along. Phileo. Okay? Do you love me? No, no. No, I'm not asking if you think that I preach good. Do you love me? Will you sacrifice? You see how difficult that is? Right, look at the person next to you. Ask them, do you love me? Now all the emotion, all the emotion gone. I asked you earlier, when somebody says, do you love me, what do you feel? Do you love me? Because you know what the question is, what's connected with this? If it's, look, if it's a boy and girl, out on a date and somebody says, do you love me? You know what may be being asked. Come on, teenagers. You know what I'm saying? But if we're believers in the Lord Jesus and we say, do you love me? We're saying, would you sacrifice? Would you stand with me? Would you fight for me? Do you have my back? Do I matter more? Do my needs matter than your needs? Somebody shout amen. amen. When I deal with families and relationships, I hear all kinds of things. And the scripture tells us that the greatest of these is love. He's saying that agape needs to be the foundation of relationships. In relationships, I hear regularly two different conversations. I sit, you sit down with me, and one person will say, well, this is what he did. And the other individual will say, yeah, I did that, but let me tell you what she did. So busy justifying themselves that they can't resolve their difficulties. Or I'll hear, I'm just not in love anymore. And I'm saying, so what you're telling me is that the physical attraction isn't there. It's like, I'm, I'm all out of love. Just don't feel it anymore. You see, we get together out of attraction without agape. That's why I tell you, how many have heard me say this before? Don't ever date somebody that doesn't know God. Don't ever do it. 
Don't do it. You say, but I'm attracted. I know attraction will get you a long way. And then it will fall apart. Listen to God's word. Agape's lo- agape love is covenant love. Somebody shout covenant love. That's why he says in 1 Corinthians 13, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest is love. Because if you have faith and hope, but you don't have covenant, you, it's, it's all lost. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. I've already read that to you. We want to prophesy, but we also want to live in eros without agape. No thanks. You want to have words of wisdom, but you won't obey your parents because you don't feel like it. No thanks. Come on. Your marriage is in struggle only when you place agape aside. But when you reinvest in the agape, your marriage could become whole again. That's right. What's missing from your home is not always the attraction. It's the agape. It's that covenant love. When, that's why you come to the house and say, I don't know, Pastor, if we really need to get married. You need a covenant if you're going to be together. You need a covenant before God. Come on. Your marriage is in struggle only when you place the agape aside. Husbands. Ephesians says, husbands love your wife. How? As Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. her. I'm in covenant. My wife is the most beautiful woman in the world. That's also my word of covenant. I don't know if you heard that. You see how I fixed that? As she walks in the door. My wife is the most beautiful woman in the world. Now wait, wait. I don't know if you heard that. I don't know if you're getting that. That's my covenant word. That's why no one can get involved in my relationship with her. Because my covenant, I have made a choice. You say, you say, well, that's emotion. No, no, I'm beyond that. There is no one that can take my attention other than my bride because I'm in covenant with God and I agape her as Christ loves me. I love her. So it don't matter, honey, how you dress or how you flirt with me. I'm already in a love agape covenant with someone. How many believe in covenant? Can I meddle a little bit? How many have ever heard love is love? How many have heard love is love? Anybody heard it? I'm going there. Let me restate it. Eros is eros. Attraction is attraction. Do I have two minutes just to say something right here? All right. I'm a pastor and I love people. I am extremely compassionate and love the gay community. I love them. And if you're struggling with same-sex attraction here, I want you to know I love you and I have compassion for you. Because in reality, I know that you have great pain. If it wasn't for the agape of God, I would be right there with you today. Did you hear what I just said? I've been wounded enough Now, you know, there is this theme about love and gay marriage is now legal in our state. But let me tell you, it is a sin. Nearly everyone that I've dealt with struggling with same-sex attraction come from fractured situations in their life. People struggling with same-sex attraction have legitimate brokenness. However, it is clear that it is not God's plan in Scripture. It is not a question It is very clear, and that causes conflict for those that are struggling in that way. And we care about you. We love you if you are in that struggle. But we know God's word, but it is comprehensive. It's not just about those that are struggling in same-sex relationships. In 1 Corinthians 6, 9, 11, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. So, I mean, there's a big list there. So you don't just get to highlight the one that you choose. 
But he goes on and says this, And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. It's all sin, but none of it works. The problem is, is that in our culture, our world believes that our sexuality belongs to us. So people believe in gay marriage and other risky behaviors because they are honestly drawn towards them. And we should be compassionate about their pain and their difficulty and their struggle, even though we know it is a practical disaster. Binding people in same-sex relationships brings instability to cultures and opens up all kinds of conflict for future generations. You want me to speak to this? We believe in our world, naively, that marriage is a right based on sexuality. Therefore, if that is true, if you are bisexual, should you not be permitted to marry one of each? Should that not be your constitutional right? I'm not getting amens, but... If you are polygamist, should you not be able to marry as many sister wives and brother husbands as you need? Do you see what I'm saying? I'm telling you this because if, if in our culture we decide that eros is enough and that we own our own intimacy and God's word doesn't matter. Listen, I'll just say it very clearly. If you can pr prove that marriage should be based simply on your inner desire rather than the reality of God who created marriage to be between a male and a female, then we are bound for an unstable society that has never flourished in all of history. I am bound by God's word and I am bound by the movement which ordains me, the church of God, to stand firm upon the authoritative word of the living God no matter what culture says. Even though I love people and am compassionate and I hurt for those who are wounded and are struggled by their fractured hearts. So I say this with compassion. This is brokenness. And if you are broken, you are not my enemy. I love you. And I will sacrifice for you. And I will weep for you. And, with, and I will pray with you that God will heal your heart. And open your eyes by his spirit. And set you free by the grace of God. But listen. It's the same reason people are living outside of marriage. It's why people are living together without a marriage covenant. It doesn't work. It's not God's plan. It's not just about feeling. It's about sacrifice. It's about covenant. You can't build life around anything without agape. And let me restate the term, agape is agape. Amen. Say it, agape is agape. agape, is agape. <sighs> Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So when somebody says, but God is love, God is agape. Don't put your own interpretation of love there. God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. My relationship with my wife goes beyond my attraction to her. It's based upon my covenant with the Lord Jesus. Let me, let me close this. Somebody play some music. My mom and dad were at Ohio State University Hospital. And mom had had on Thanksgiving in 2002, after she had been through a great deal of chemotherapy, she developed a, a brain bleed. And uh, it was Thanksgiving, and my brother, she was at my brother John's house, and they had to life flight her to Ohio State Hospital. When she arrived there, it just, it just a, a great deal of struggle. We got there as soon as we could, and we were all so concerned about her, and she was in a coma for a long time. And finally she came out of the coma, and they moved her to another level, and she's laying there in that other room. And I'm in the room with mom and dad, and you've probably have seen this happen before. Uh, a doctor comes in the door and looks at my mother and begins to ask some questions just to find her baseline and says, Mary, do you know what day it is? Mom just looked with a confused look and still see that. And then she said, do you know who the president is? Mom looked around the room. My dad was standing right next to her. I'm standing there as well, but dad's standing there. 
do you know what year it is? And she just yelled out. She looked at that. She said, Marvin! It's my dad's name. <laughs> Marvin. And you know what she was saying? She was saying, I'm in the worst place I could possibly be in right now. I'm a smart woman. I know that I am. I know that I'm blood-bought. I know that I'm a child of God, but I'm lost right now. This doctor can't help me. Nobody else can help me. I need to know that there's somebody in my life that loves me no matter what the condition of my life or the world that is around me. I need to know that. When I come to church on a Sunday, and I can remember the most desperate day, one of the most desperate days of my life, I was coming back to town, and I really had, I just, I can't go into it, but it was just horrible. It was just, what I faced was horrible. I, I can remember this. I just want to get back to church. I want to get back with people who love me, who care for me, who will stand with me, who have my back, who will walk with me. Anybody ever felt that way before? And here you are on a Sunday, and I'm talking to you about agape, and you're trying to work this out, and you're there with your husband, your wife, or your children, or you're thinking about where you will go next in your life, and I'm telling you that the answer to your pain, the answer to your confusion, is the sacrificial love of the Lord Jesus. And when you receive that love, you will give that love. I know love is messy. I know some of you, if you, when I talk to you about love, you're just as confused as you can be. And some of you, when I talked to you and I gave you this message today, some of you, some of you, it was like I was speaking a different language and you haven't caught half of what I had to say. But some of you know what I'm saying right now and you know that it was the agape of heaven that saved your life. Wave at me. Does anybody know that? You know it was agape that saved you, that rescued you. Some of you wouldn't be in a relationship right now if it wasn't for discovering the love of God. Because life can be tough. You've got to lean into God's love. You love somebody even when you don't feel like it. You love somebody even when it hurts. You love somebody even when you feel anger rising up inside of you. You love them. You serve them. You care for them. That's the love of God. It's the love of God in this church. It's the love of God towards your children. It's the love of God in your marriages. Listen, and for some of you, you need to make a covenant. One day, if you are ever married, that will be the foundation of your relationship. Stand up, stand up. Let's give praise to God for his will. Let's give praise to God. Come, come on. Some of you that have felt lost, some of you that have felt like in your heart, you're struggling, loving. You gotta hear me, you gotta hear me say this one more time. Agape is a supernatural love. It comes from heaven, not of the earth. Wave at me if you know I'm telling the truth. Some of you, now you're going to be able to forgive that individual that left you. You know why? They didn't understand. They still don't get it. Am I right? If they knew the love of God, they'd still be standing right next to you. Right? But they don't. You need, to, you need to forgive them. You need to pray for them. You need them to stop being your enemy. I, I'm going to rephrase that. You may not be able to stop them from being your enemy. You're going to love them even though they are your enemy. I don't, you know, I don't know how to finish this. Is there anybody in this room that needs to pray? God has touched your heart regarding the message of love today. And you need agape. You need the supernatural move of God in your life regarding love. Would you come and just stand with me right now?
I just need a supernatural move of God in my life regarding to love because I'm struggling. Uh, just come and stand with me. And uh, come on, my family. Hey, guys. Come on, come on. I love you. It's tough. You know, if I preach this sermon just for the three of you, that's cool. But there's another hundred back there that probably could use a prayer too. But that's okay. I get it. It's fine. I'm not, I'm not pa- passing out guilt and shame today. I'm passing out agape everywhere. Okay, just... I love you no matter where you are right now. Some, some of my team, come and join me. I want to pray for you. Would you lay your hand on somebody's shoulder right now nearby you? Holy Spirit, I invite you to come. Holy Spirit, I invite you to come now and baptize us in your presence in such a way that we will finally know what love is. Finally, have it established in our lives in such a way that we can experience healing in our home healing in our relationships that the stress of having enemies will be broken I pray Father for husbands for men who are now ex-husbands that you would touch them by your spirit and heal their hearts and I pray Holy Spirit that you would come upon them in such a way that they would be whole again and be able to love with the love of heaven and not of this earth. And they would overcome the guilt, the fear, the aching. I pray for ex-wives in the name of Jesus. Touch them now. Who have been wounded, who have been hurt, who still feel the pain in their hearts. Come upon them now, Holy Spirit. Let them love someone who abandoned them. Even though I pray, dear God, for children in this room, grown children who still carry pain in their lives over broken relationships. And I ask God that you would bathe them in such a way that they can love a mother and a father, though they are no longer together. Come, Holy Spirit. Help us to love our enemies. Help us to love extended family. Help us to love the way you've called us to love. Holy Spirit, heal lives through your love. For some of you, it's going to be this confession. Say it. Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you love me and that you died for me. That you gave your life up for me. Fill me with your life. Fill me with your love. Save me by your grace. Knowing that I have failed, save me. Cleanse me of my sin. And by your Holy Spirit, help me to love. In Jesus' name. We're going to pray for these at the altar. And if anybody else wants prayer, just come on up and we'll meet you here. Everybody out there. I'm not just, listen, everybody out there, make sure you tell somebody you really love them. You can even use the word agape today. If you're new to freedom, please meet me in the hospitality room and in the welcome center. I'd love to meet you for a minute. God bless you all.